today on Laura Lynn and Friends. I have lost all faith in Health Canada. I cannot trust anything they say ever again. To me, what has to happen now, Health Canada has to earn the trust of Canadians back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the beginning of the last days. JT is sneezing, and uh, we are here ready to have a very, very good day. It is epic. We have Dr. Byron Bridal with us, and uh, many of you have been watching the unfolding of the information that has been kind of, you know, leaking out uh, slowly about this SV40 component. And um, it's, it's very serious. I won't even begin to try to explain it all. So, uh, you know, I love to read from my dad's Bible to begin every single show. Uh, let's do a sword drill today. So this is when I was in, um, when I was in, in Sunday school or school, you know, we all had to like, you know, figure out like, a, so let's say I'm going to just announce something. So Psalms uh, 69 verse five. All right. So. Uh, you do that and then you got to find it as fast as you can and whoever won would get like this big prize, which I won't be getting today at all. But let's see if my dad had anything in Psalm 69. Okay, he didn't, but he did have it in 68. So let's just read what he wrote in Psalm 68. Okay, ascribe ye strength. In verse 34, ascribe ye strength unto God. His excellence, his excellency is over Israel and his strength is in the clouds. Oh God, you are terrible out of thy holy place. And I think that that terrible is, is like a, a bad translation because my dad's Bible is a million years old. I think it means powerful um, out of your holy place. The God of Israel is he that gives strength and power unto his people. Well, very nice. No, dad, you didn't, uh, you didn't underline anything in Psalm 69, but of course he, he has pretty much every page underlined. So a lot going on in the world, and we sure do need to know that we have strength to get through this because the amount of misinformation and disinformation has been quite shocking. And there have been people, champions in our nation that uh, have outlined what that is. Uh, JT, let's just put up that um, the poster for this uh, coming weekend because Dr. Byron Bridal will be there in person to talk about what we're talking about today and uh, just to be able to meet and greet you and also he'll be doing a talk on whatever is on his heart about the truth uh, of everything that we've been through. And so um, this, is, this is one of the people in our nation that has paid a very high price for speaking the truth. So at uh, on Saturday, get your tickets now, all right? It's at laurelin.tv. You can even get them while we're on today if you do, as long as you don't go away from the show because we want you to make sure that you, you see and hear everything today. Okay, um, and uh, there's tickets for every budget. Uh, if you'd like a table there, there's still room, a couple spots for tables to be put up if you'd like to, you know, uh, be a sponsor and advertise your particular whatever you know, your is important to you. We'd love to have you. So Dr. Bridal is a viral immunologist who is passionate about improving life through two avenues of research. One arm of his research program is dedicated to designing and optimizing novel biotherapies for the treatment of cancers. Um, so the Bridal Lab is harnessing their expertise. Now, I don't, I'm not going to read all of this because we got this off the internet. And uh, many of you know that Dr. Byron Bridal um, tells us openly that it's been two years, well, as of the writing of uh, October 19th, two years, two months, and 26 
uh, days, 818 total days since the administration of my employer, the University of Guelph, banned me from accessing my office and laboratory. And I would like to know why someone as great and someone as ahead of their time as Dr. Byron Bridal um, does not have closure on that and is not given access and honor, frankly, honor for what he has disclosed and what he has been understanding about what we've been through. The amount of information and the truth that he's found has been epic. So we welcome you to the show, uh, Dr. Bridal, and thank you very much for, um, you know, taking time out of your very, very busy schedule right now to be able to share with us. We saw your Substack and we're a bit blown away by all that's happening. Yeah, thanks for having me, Laura Lynn. It's my pleasure to be here. And I'm certainly happy to chat about the SV40 issue. It's uh, a major, major uh, issue, a major, major problem that's been identified with the um, Pfizer shots, although it's related to the, um, what we call bacterial plasma DNA contamination, uh, which also involves the Moderna shots. It's common to both of the modified RNA shots. So um, if, if you were to, to look back, uh, who was first talking about this? Because we heard uh, some rumors about it a little while ago, and then it just kind of blew up after this got found out. Yes, Kevin McKernan from the United States is the first person. He's the, he's the fellow who, the scientist who discovered this. So um, Kevin has a really interesting history. He's, he is a real, real expert when it comes to sequencing. So sequencing any kind of genetic material. So that would be DNA. So for example, the cells in our bodies uh, have chromosomes, they're made of DNA. And then we've heard a lot about RNA recently because these RNA shots, and I'm not gonna refer to them as messenger RNA shots because messenger RNA is a natural molecule. It's incredibly fragile and degrades very rapidly. What we're dealing with with the, the COVID-19 shots are what we call modified RNA. Um, they're, they're entirely synthetic and behave very differently and are far longer lasting in the body than what uh, we were ever, than what was ever publicly disclosed. <laughs> Nevertheless, RNA is what we call an intermediate genetic material. So when our cells make proteins, uh, they use the DNA as kind of the original copy. The, the, you can think of that as the original that's archived. And then uh, our body can make photocopies of that original. That's the RNA. That RNA then is what is used to manufacture the proteins. It's like a little portable blueprint that gets used by our cells to manufacture a protein, just like a home builder would use a blueprint to manufacture a house, right? They can take that blueprint to the building site, but they're going to have the original version of that archived somewhere. So that's uh, so that's the sort of what we're talking about with the genetic material. When it comes to viruses, like SARS coronavirus two, viruses can ha have they have their own genetic material, right? And that can be either DNA or RNA. For the SARS coronavirus two, it's RNA. And so David McKernan is an absolute expert at sequencing DNA and RNA. So just to put his expertise into perspective, he was heavily involved with the Human Genome Project way back in the day, right, when, that, when the human genome was first sequenced. He actually established, has established a company that it's absolutely phenomenal. They sequence um, tens of millions of genomes every year. Uh, so he so he knows exactly what he's talking about when it comes to sequencing any kind of genetic material. He's the one who discovered 
that these uh, COVID-19 shots, the RNA shots, are um, contaminated, heavily contaminated with what we call bacterial DNA. And if you like, I can explain what that is and, and sure. why it's there. Yeah. Okay, sure. So, like I said, the when making these RNA shots, the it's they what they are is they have two well they have three components to them really there's these fat bubbles little fat bubbles that we call lipid nanoparticles and then inside of them are placed these modified rnas these little genetic blueprints which encode for the spike protein of sars coronavirus 2 uh, and that's because sars cov2 is the causative agent um, in some people of the disease we call covid 19 and by mounting immune response against that, the idea is that it would, uh, the original idea was that it would prevent infection and prevent transmission. Therefore, people could not get COVID-19, nor could they pass the causative agent to somebody else. So there's those tiny fat bubbles. Uh, yeah, this is great. So you see the three listed here, perfect. Uh, and then the third is the carrier solution, right? Which is the liquid that, this, that the, these lipid nanoparticles containing the modified RNA uh, is put in so it can be injected into uh, the muscle, and they usually, well, they are injecting into the deltoid, one of the deltoid muscles. Now, they had to make, manufacture that RNA, that mod modified RNA. So the way they did that, actually, um, in, in molecular biology, we have this very clever system where we let bacteria do all the work for us. So what they did is they got uh, a bacterial, what they call it, plasmid DNA. So that's genetic material from a bacteria. And what they did is they inserted into that, and, and what a, sorry, what a plasmid DNA is, it's a circular, it's just a piece of circular DNA. So it's connected at both ends. DNA in our cells is, is linear, right? So it's, so it's like, if you view it as like a line, but the bacterial pl plasmid DNA, you take both ends and they come together. So you have a, this circular um, genome, which we call a plasmid. And what you do is we can use little enzymes to cut that plasmid and open it up and we can insert into it gene sequences, anything that we want, any, you know, bioactive uh, gene we can put in there. And so what Pfizer and Moderna did is they put into that uh, plasma DNA, they, they literally knitted into place the genetic sequence for the modified RNA. And then bacteria do all the work, right? So as, the, as bacteria grow, uh, at, at a lab bench, they they produce all kinds of this modified RNA. And then that modified RNA can be packaged into these fat bubbles. And what's supposed to happen, now this is very interesting, um, Laura Lynn, this is why we have to differentiate between natural or sorry, natural messenger RNA, which is the naturally occurring version of the RNA, and modified RNA. Because with this, uh, uh, so what happens is after, if you were making a, 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 these shots with naturally occurring messenger RNA, afterwards you would sprinkle in an enzyme that digests all of the DNA and it gets rid of all of it. Uh, and it's very easy to do. So for example, over the past couple of years, I sat on the advisory committee for a student who was trying to make uh, a natural messenger RNA based vaccine for use in poultry, like chickens. They had no problem. So we're talking about a, a neophyte scientist, a rookie scientist. She had no problem removing all of the DNA. 
right? And that was something that we asked for, and we uh, asked her to show us that it had been removed, and it had been removed no problem. It's usually no problem whatsoever. So then, but it turns out that Kevin discovered that these vials are badly contaminated with this bacterial DNA. So initially, many of us as scientists would say, how could this happen? It's very easy to get rid of this. It shouldn't be there. Now, this is important because what we've learned is by using modified RNA, um, what these companies ended up with are these very odd genetic structures that do not occur naturally. So many people will know, may, may be familiar with the, the, the DNA that I mentioned, in, for example, that make up our chromosomes. Yes. It's in what we call a double, a double helix. But what it is is two strands, two strands of DNA that are wrapped around one another. That's the natural form. What, has, what people have found is with this modified RNA, you end up with these uh, RNAs that can remain attached to the DNA. And in essence, you end up with these three strands now, three strands. And this DNAs that I mentioned to you that could be put, that could be put into these, uh, that can be put into the concoction to get rid of the DNA cannot digest these triple stranded, um, completely novel uh genetic constructs. And so what it meant is when they sprinkled in this uh, enzyme called DNAs1, they were not able to efficiently remove the DNA. So there's all kinds of it now contaminating these shots. Um, and it's really kind of scary. And, and the other thing is, but I what I should point out to you to, to not take uh, Pfizer and Moderna off the hook with that is they, sh they should have looked at this, right? Th this to me is a classic example of warp speed not working. We were told that when these things were, were developed at warp speed, no corners were cut. There's many examples now where we know the corners were cut. And this is to me an egregious one because in the manufacturing process, there are enzymes that they could put in that would get rid of this, right? They're, they're, so they th what they used is the most common enzyme that would be used with natural mRNA. But again, this is why when you start working with completely unnatural products, that we haven't worked with before, you can't make any assumptions, as you can see, right? And, and they did. Um, and, and the procedure that used to work in the past with natural mRNA doesn't work with this modified RNA. And so we've been left with all this DNA contaminating. So that's where it comes from. This DNA was used to manufacture the modified RNAs, and then it was supposed to be removed from the products, but that removal process did not work properly. And so there's lots of it in there. And there's there's multiple aspects of that which are quite scary, Laurelyn. Wow, and and um, and so what what was discovered is that these things can be very harmful actually to human beings, and perhaps is responsible for some of the the harm that's come to a lot of people. And this is supposed to be disclosed, meaning we didn't get informed consent if we took the vaccine, which I did not. The yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I have a good point. So, I, I recently got to see um, the results of a freedom of information request here in Canada, where somebody asked Health Canada to disclose what they had as the ingredient list for these shots. And there was nothing, there was nothing new to see there. It matches what we've already seen in the past. But, but what was good is to see that what Health Canada had in their hands did indeed match exactly what the FDA had, what the European Me Medicines Agency had, etc. Um, and on there is a list of all these ingredients, which are basically the components they use to make the lipid nanoparticles, you know, the, the, the active, uh, the most active ingredient that, the, that was the, uh, mod modified RNA. And then there's the, 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 uh, components of that carrier solution, but nowhere on that list of approved ingredients is bacterial plasma DNA. And 
one of the major concerns with this is, remember way back, people, we were assured, we were absolutely assured there was no chance that these modified RNAs could integrate into the into the human genome, into those chromosomes that I was telling you about in our cells. Um, because if it is, we literally become part, uh, like our, gene our, our genetic material gets permanently altered and we could permanently be manufacturing and producing this highly bioactive spike protein and any cells manufacturing this are going to be targets for our immune response, right? So we're going to be killing off our own cells. You don't want that happening long term. It's already happening far longer than anybody uh, had admitted early on. But this is the problem with the, with the bacterial uh, DNA. There was a proof of principle paper. What I say didn't prove that this occurs, but it proved that there's the potential for the modified RNA to be what we call reverse transcribed into DNA and potentially get integrated into our genome. We have no scientific evidence that that happens, but there's one plausible mechanism whereby it might happen. With this bacterial plasma DNA, this raises a second, more likely mechanism whereby there could be integration of any of the components, any of the pieces of this bacterial DNA into our chromosomes, right? Which is very frightening. And this is, but this is the other thing. Even if it doesn't integrate into our chromosomes, this DNA, especially the one, so, so I should just point out quickly, both Pfizer and Moderna have this DNA contaminating their vials. Pfizer has in their bacterial DNA, sequences that were never disclosed. Uh, we don't have evidence of that for Moderna. And these sequences are very concerning. One of them is known as what we call an SV40 enhancer. This comes from a virus that's called the uh, simian virus 40. That has been, it's thought to be a carcinogenic virus, which means a virus that can promote cancers. Um, there isn't any direct proof at the moment that the SV40 enhancer on its own can directly do it. But what it does is it helps get this this bacterial DNA into the what we call the nucleus of the cell where our chromosomes are. And now this is important. So even and then there's the risk of integration. But even if it doesn't become part of our chromosomes, plasmid DNA is a very robust molecule and very long lasting. So what this means, Laura Lynn, is it can stay in cells for a very long period of time. One of the th now this is this is interesting because like I said, if a cell has this bacterial plasmid DNA that encodes for the spike protein, those cells are going to manufacture that spike protein, right? Then when the person mounts an immune response, either because they've been naturally infected and recovered or because they got one of these shots, the cells that are showing that spike protein are going to be eliminated, except in places where the immune system can't access the cells. So for example, in the central nervous system, in the testes, in the ovaries, those kind of places, we could get long-term expression and expression of this spike protein, which could do all kinds of different things. And they're not gonna be eliminated from the body. And worse, there's all these other genetic components in that plasmid that could potentially be integrated and do things. And depending on where they integrate, this could promote the development of cancers. Um, there's no question about that. And so it's very concerning because this is long lasting. It's, it's another mechanism whereby somebody could basically for, for a very long period of time and perhaps permanently have their, um, th their genetic makeup altered. Uh, it's something that wasn't supposed to happen. We were told it would never happen. I haven't identified this as well. Uh, what, what's called a, a uh, what, what's called a, a, a enhancer.
enhancer. Uh, um, there's a preprint article. Um, there's a preprint article. As the great Canadian, the great Canadian, um, and I consider him a partnered with Kevin McKern, partnered with Kevin McKernan around the world, around the world, to what is to date the largest. And just last week, and just last week, also many of your listeners might also many of your listeners might recognize are a couple of others. Canadian COVID Care Alliance, for example. Canadian COVID Care Alliance, for example. Those are the authors. This um, and this is um, and this is here that you have up right now. It's taken direct that you have up right now. It's taken directly the top. You see red top. You see red. Are they represent spike protein? Spike protein. In these triple strands that in these triple strands that and therefore can't digest it. Are all of is all this? Are all of is all this blue that we're particularly blue that we're particularly And, and well, I'll tell you. See, as you go from the right hand, see, as you go from the right hand to the left, and so what they did, left, and so what they did, important because it's all Canadian data. In data, there were multiple data. There were multiple tested across multiple batches. across multiple batches. This DNA, every one. The line at the top where it says Pfizer. The line at the top where it says Pfizer. Pfizer BioNTech has blue bars. Well, when you bars. Well, when you adverse event reporting. Adverse event reporting system. The number of adverse events associated. Bars, meaning there bars, meaning there is um, in the Pfizer vials and severe adverse events that are being reported. So this is this is what they call one of one of the uh, Bradford criteria for proving a causal link. Um, so this is very concerning, right? This does suggest that this DNA can be harmful. Now I want to point out something, uh, Laura Lynn. You see, you see, there's a dotted red line uh, where they say um, the FDA, the, the 10 nanogram DNA dose. This is very important because what the FDA has been trying to claim is that this DNA contamination is below that dose, right? Below what they consider to be a dangerous dose. Now this is the the problem, though. This is based on historical guidelines um, before these modified RNA technologies were being used. 
And, and the reason why this is particularly uh, problematic is, um, for example, if using um, cell lines to manufacture something, say, say you have a human cell line, and you could potentially get contamination with human DNA, which is def definitely not something that you want. This amount of contamination represents very few copies of the human genome, just to put it in perspective, very few copies, okay? Uh, I believe Kevin McKernan uh, has estimated it represents about 12 copies, keep that in mind. And yet that amount of contamination for modified RNA represents millions of copies, millions. Right, so so, what are the chances of having a potential integration event if you have 12 molecules present versus millions? So they have not updated their guidance for this new genetic technology. That's very important to remember. And then there's another thing that's very important, Laura Lynn. The, tech, the, the way they've actually been getting companies to report how much DNA is present is as a ratio of the DNA to the RNA. Remember, there's supposed to be lots of RNA, very little DNA. So they have a ratio cutoff, right? That's very important. And they, they will argue that that ratio cutoff is met with all of these batches. But here's something, they have a trick. Um, and it's a very dirty trick. It's a completely inappropriate trick to make it look like these are, are meeting their standards. What did they do? They use two different methods. They use one method to quantify the DNA and a completely different method to quantify the RNA. The method they're using for the DNA is called PCR. And it it's very good at quantifying the chunks of DNA that you're looking for, but it vastly underestimates the total amount of DNA because there's all kinds of pieces of the DNA that you're not looking for, that are not accounted for when you use that method. So keep that in mind. That's really all your listeners need to know. For quantifying the DNA, they're dramatically underestimating the amount. Now, when they quantify the RNA, they use a completely different method. It's called either, they either use what we call ultraviolet spectrometry, or they'll use another method that we call fluorometry. They sound fancy. All your listeners need to know is those methods overestimate the amount of RNA. So if you have, if you're looking at a ratio for safety, right, and you set the ratio at a certain level, let's say this is the safe level, right, and then you use a method that amplifies the apparent amount of RNA and underestimates the DNA, you give this optic of safety. Any any scientist, any scientist who knows how to conduct science would say, you use the same methodology, you apply the same methodology to both. What we propose is if that methodology were used with these shots, it would show that this DNA contamination is way worse than what uh, David Speaker and his co-authors were able to show at this point in time on that graph. In other words, that, they, that the amount of DNA vastly exceeds, vastly exceeds what's acceptable. Now, all that aside, because people can argue, is this, is, you know, how much contamination is there? Is it dangerous? Is it not dangerous? If it is, what can it do potentially under what timeline? So I want to move to something that's not debatable, absolutely not debatable. And that is the fact that what Kevin McKernan and his colleagues, what he discovered and his colleagues now have confirmed is that Pfizer failed to disclose critical components of the bacterial plasmid DNA that is contaminating their vials. And so if you could bring up, please, um, it's, it's figure uh, 11 from the preprint article. 
because what I want to show just so you just so that your uh, viewers understand what Health Canada required and what my understanding what every health regulatory agency required is for Pfizer and Moderna but in this case we're focusing on Pfizer for this for this issue they required them to submit a uh, a file, a computer file that had the entire sequence of the bacterial DNA, right, that they used to manufacture the modified RNA. And then in, in addition to that, they were to provide a map of that sequence. On that, that map is important because all the, all the other, all that file is, is a bunch of gobbledygook. It's a bunch of letters that tell you what the sequence is, but it doesn't tell you anything uh, up front about what's actually in there. So what, what, anytime you have these bacterial plasmids, you generate what we call a plasmid map. And the map tells you, it identifies every, right, so this is very important, so listen for one. It is supposed to identify every single bioactive genetic sequence that is in that piece of bacterial DNA. And so this is a perfect example. Remember I said it's like our, our DNA, which is linear, but that's joined at the end. So you get that circular uh, DNA. That's why this is shown as a circle. And you can see all these little lines with all these little uh, designations, right? What those are all telling you is that those are all pointing to bioactive segments of this bacterial DNA, right? Um, pieces of genetic material that if it gets, it gets into a a biological organism, it can do something is what that means. That's what it means when we say bioactive. Now, what you what is completely unacceptable would be to fail to, dis first of all, to fail to disclose any bioactive genetic sequence, especially if that genetic sequence could be active in what we call mammalian cells. Why? Because we're mammals. And so all of our cells are mammalian cells. So for example, some of these genes can only be expressed in the bacteria, right? They're all, many of them are designed, it's, it's, a bac, it's bacterial DNA. So it's, it's designed to be used by uh, bacteria. So a lot of these can't be expressed in a human cell. But you can imagine, therefore, that it would be particularly egregious if you do not disclose any bioactive, any sequence that could be active in, in a human cell. And what I wanna point out to you is just one thing on, on this uh, plasma DNA. So this was confirmed again by David Speaker. And there's one in here, uh, it, it'll be hard to see, but um, but there's one line and it points to, yeah, so so right here, what I'm gonna, if, if your readers look on the right-hand side, uh, look at the, that cluster of labels on the right-hand side and move up just a little bit to the top, you'll see the SV40 promoter, that's perfect. You'll see it um, with a circle around it, Right, it's highlighted SV40 promoter, and you see that line promote pointing to where it is. So, in other words, so what what they did is when they sequenced the this these bacterial plasmids, they found the sequence in there. Now, what is critical for your readers to know is Pfizer submitted a plasmid map as they were required. They submitted this to Health Canada. And you know what was amazing? When Kevin McKernan and, and then uh, when David Speaker got this data as well, you know, they went back and, and confirmed and double checked. They put this side by side with the with the plasmid map that Pfizer submitted to Health Canada. And that SV40 in, um, enhancer was not there. It was not disclosed. And what's interesting also 
is there's a second very large fragment. We've been focusing on the uh, publicly on the SV40 promoter, but there's a second very large genetic sequence that's in there as well that has not been disclosed. And based on evaluation by molecular biologists, it appears that that undisclosed sequence also has the potential to be expressed in our cells. And we have looked, we have no idea what that genetic sequence is. It doesn't match with any known gene in the human genome um, or any other gene from any other species that we've seen so far. Um, but it's in there. And if it were to be expressed in our cells, it definitely wouldn't be recognized as self because it's not, it's not in the human body. Um, so that would be recognized by the immune system and make cells a potential target. And we don't know what other things it could potentially do. And it's a very large sequence. And now, just before we move on with this, Laura Lynn, what you have to understand, this is so important. This, these sequences are relatively large. Pfizer disclosed to Health Canada bioactive sequences that were as little as what we call seven base pairs. Seven base pairs. All right. These fragments that, that I've just been telling you about that were not disclosed are far larger. So they went into minute detail to, to, to reveal um, genetic sequences. They left these ones out. The second thing I want you to know, Laura Lynn, is that map can be automatically generated. So for example, my lab uses what a lot of labs use for this work. It's a piece of software, we call it SnapGene. If I imported that file that Pfizer had provided into this software, it will automatically do what we call annotate it. It will annotate it. It puts these labels on. It will automatically, so Kevin McKernan did this with it, with that software. It automatically annotated, as it did for, as you can see here, for uh, Dr. David Speaker, it automatically put on that SV40 promoter label. It didn't label that other sequence because nobody knows what it is. The software doesn't know what it is because it looks like it's something that hasn't been discovered before. But the point is, at least the SV40 promoter automatically gets loaded there. So again, we don't see how this could have got to Health Canada without somebody actively removing that label. Because we're not aware of software that Pfizer would possibly have been using that would not have automatically labeled this. And the reason why it's important, so they know, they know, this is the other thing that's very important, that SV40 promoter is not needed. They, Pfizer put into this the same promoter that Moderna uses. You don't need two promoters. One is enough. It makes no sense to put any time. It's like anything. Anytime you add something that is not required, all you do is you add risk without any benefit. This is duplicating the function of a safe promoter. This is not supposed to be there. Now, somebody looking at this would know that. They would know that if they have um, something that's not supposed to be there and it can be active in human cells, that would be an immediate reason for not allowing this to move forward in that warp speed program. So it appears that that label was conveniently removed. And it was hoped, and I guess it was assumed that nobody would be sequencing these vials, right? Uh, and, um, but this is the thing, it's there. And so forget about even, uh, could these things be dangerous? Could they integrate or not? And all that kind of stuff, those scientific uh, debates. Yes, 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 there's the potential for all of that, absolutely. But this is the thing. That was not disclosed. So now if you go here to, um, if you go to the quotations from uh, the, from Health Canada, this is very important. So you could stop at, with the title. So, so what people need to understand here, 
and get the date here, Laura Lynn. This is very important. Health Canada, so the Epic Times uh, was discussing this with Health Canada when they first learned about this, uh, when, it was dis when it was disclosed by Kevin McKernan, the United States. So the Epic Times, they published an article very recently, but what they published here is an email that they received from Health Canada way back in April. Okay, so keep that in mind. Way back in April, they received this, uh, an email with the quotes we're gonna look at. So look at the headline for this, uh, for this article. Health Canada confirms undisclosed presence of DNA sequence. That is what I just showed you. Um, now here they're referring to the SV40, but there's that other huge sequence that was also not disclosed. They haven't looked at that um, or, or, or confirmed that themselves. But this is the interesting thing. This, in the email that was sent to uh, Epic Times, look at what they say. For those who would call people like me spreaders of misinformation, right? Look at what Health Canada has said. Health Canada expects sponsors to identify, as I've already said, any biologically functional um, DNA sequences within a plasmid, and they even specify such as an SV40 enhancer. So they have confirmed that that is a biologically functional DNA sequence, meaning biologically functional in our cells, and that has that's the rule. You can see that at the time of submission, the rule is you have to disclose that. And I've already said why for all these safety reasons. And what they were referring to here, the sponsor, so your listeners understand that's Pfizer in this case, okay? And now if you go down to the next one, you can see here, like I told you, they confirm here, the full DNA sequence of the Pfizer plasmid was provided at the time of initial filing. But like I said, that file in itself is just a bunch of gobbledygook. Now you could go and you could search databases to see if certain genes are in there, but you know, you're not gonna ever do that. You're never gonna go typically and search for genes that haven't been disclosed. Like there's, there's no reason to think it might be there, but this is the important thing. It's not difficult to do a general search. So Health Canada um, cannot be taken off the hook on this. They could, and to me, I don't understand why it's not part of their quality control process. They're trusting, they're trusting the sponsor. They're trusting the big pharma company who's paying them to review this documentation and they're trusting the company to fully disclose everything properly. I, as a member of the public, would like to think they would do some basic quality control and you can load the sequence data into free online programs, Laura Lynn, that will tell you if there's any matches with other genetic sequences. And they could have found this. They could have found it themselves. Instead, they relied on a, an independent third-party researcher who's been attacked to no end for, for you know, finding this and, uh, and had to prove that it was there before anybody would pay attention. But again, people who would say, okay, but Kevin McKernan, David Speaker, me, et cetera, et cetera, we're spreaders of misinformation. You know, look at our history, look at the fact checks, which are all garbage. But nevertheless, that's what you see here. The sponsor did not, this is Health Canada, remember. The sponsor did not specifically identify the SV40 sequence. Now their next quote. It was possible for Health Canada to confirm the presence of the enhancer. That's the SV40 enhancer sequence. How? Because it's a, you just simply do what I just said. You take the sequence that they submitted, and now you do what we call a blast search online. Um, I could do this, Laura Lynn, and the matter if I had that sequence data, I could get the I could get the results online in about three three minutes tops, three minutes, and that's what they did. 
and they found, you know, my goodness, look at this. Indeed, there is a 100% match with the published SV40 enhancer sequence. You can see this, people, with your own eyes. This is what Health Canada said. Wow. Now, this is the thing, Laura Lynn. I'm, I'm going to speculate here because <laughs> the Epoch Times just published this. They published this immediately after the Canadian data set, right, produced by Dr. David Speaker, went online with that preprint article. Now, you might ask, people might ask yourself, why did Epoch Times delay if they had this uh, article here? I believe it's because of this. They knew that Health Canada is not responsible for the materials that are under the auspice of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. The only data we had until this preprint article came out was U.S. data. And so, the, and so I believe Health Canada was okay to comment on the rules and that this breaks the rules. The Pfizer broke the rules because it didn't apply to them, right? There was no evidence of contamination. It applied to vials in the U.S., so it was the it was the problem of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, who have not yet openly confirmed the presence of this and that it's against the rules, right? So there's there was this disconnect. If the Epoch Times published this, people would say, well, so what? Yes, so there's these rules that Health Canada has. There's no evidence they've been broken. Well, lo and behold, they they admitted this back in April. Now there's the proof. Now this comes out. They can't hide anymore. Now they have admitted that this is wrong. They have basically said in that text that you saw, they have said, if this is present, it represents adulteration of the Pfizer product. I'll say it that clearly. This is an adulterated medical product. When you have an adulterated medical product, the the rule is it should be immediately recalled. There should be a complete halt to the use of these. And since Moderna has the same DNA contamination, um, and we're not sure what that's doing, it should apply to everybody, but especially these Pfizer shots. You could argue that since it's adulterated, this is an illegal product. And what is important for your viewers to understand, Laura Lynn, when we think of all of our friends, all of our family members, and all of our colleagues who were coerced to get these shots or lose their jobs, et cetera, there is an important precedent-setting legal case that took place recently, um, or that was heard recently, in a court in Michigan, right? Um, and this is this is very important. What they found is it was a man who received a shot of remdesivir, which is a drug for COVID-19, uh, for severe COVID-19, that's manufactured by a big pharma company known as Gilead Sciences. This, after receiving this injection, this guy got severe, uh, debilitating, very debilitating blood clots. So he decided he was going to sue. And the reason why he sued is this vial came from a batch that was known to be contaminated with something that was not disclosed in the ingredient list. Right. What it was is it, the, uh, there was a batch where it was found to have all kinds of uh, microparticles of glass. So perhaps during the manufacturing program, um, process, some of the bottles broke, right? Um, nevertheless, it was contaminated with glass and that got injected. The hospital that gave him this dose had not returned that batch. It had been recalled, right? So he went to sue. This company, Gilead Sciences, knowing it, it, the same thing applies to Pfizer and Moderna, all these big pharma companies, they have what's called legal indemnity, right? Which in and of itself is a huge concern, a huge red flag. They're not legally responsible for anything that happens with these shots, 
right? Or, or the, these drugs, these medical products that they inject into people. So they want it thrown out of court because they had legal indemnity. The court in Michigan, the judge in Michigan ruled, he agreed that they had legal indemnity for the disclosed components of that medical product. But the legal indemnity was waived. It was null and void in the context of any contaminants that were not supposed to be there. So now let's connect the two. I've just told you that Pfizer has, we have clear proof so far, every vial that's been tested in Canada is contaminated with a lot of this DNA, which includes that undisclosed SV40 enhancer sequence, plus this other sequence. This is a contaminated product. This is, like I said, this is a an adulterated medical product. Um, and as I put it, basically, if I summarize it in one term, duped. I say duped. Health Canada was duped. But this is also important, Laura Lynn. People have to ask themselves, how can we trust Health Canada? They knew that that sequence was there back in April. That's what we know from the Epic Times, revealing their, disclosing their email. Back in April, but this is an important thing. They never, they could have easily, I'm telling, I can't emphasize this enough. David Speaker will tell you himself, he did this work. And one day, and for about $100 or less, you could do the sequencing and get these results. One day, wow. Health Canada easily could have done this. They didn't look. Uh, I, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just speculating here, but I'm, I'm wondering if they didn't look because if they did look and found that as well, then they'd have that connection, right? They'd have, they'd have that statement saying, this breaks the rule, this breaks our rules, and we've confirmed that the rules have been broken. Why didn't they do that, Laura Lynn, in all these months? When they know there was, this, they know the sequence was there, they know the contaminants were there and all the US files that were, that were studied, there's no reason to believe they weren't there in the Canadian ones. Why didn't they look? And Laura Lynn, even still with that, now that that article has gone out and that the whole world has been able to see that that link has been made, Health Canada, Health Canada's rules have been broken. There's an adulterated product. Why, as soon as that was released, did they not say, we're pulling back this product? There's a total recall on this. There has to be. Um, Health Canada has to be held to account. And to me, this has to go through lawyers now, right? They're, they're, what I can tell you, Laura Lynn, is I have lost all faith in Health Canada. I cannot trust anything they say ever again. To me, what has to happen now, Health Canada has to earn the trust of Canadians back. And the only way they're going to be able to do that, it's just like in any relationship, Laura Lynn. How many times do I have to lie to you for me to be considered a liar, right? Only once. But it's almost inevitably going to take multiple future situations where I have the potential to lie, but I definitively demonstrate to you that I'm not before I can earn your trust back. That's what Health Canada has to do now. And that is, and that is the big challenge in holding uh, these people responsible because it seems that, um, that we've had a lot of information about the potential harms and it's still been very difficult. This is absolutely fascinating, uh, Dr. Uh, Bridal. So do you think that, uh, that Health Canada is on alert or nervous at about this moment? Because would it be fair to say that if Health Canada does not come forward at this time, then we can, and, and be more um, transparent, then we can actually sue them or we're going to be able to sue Pfizer. Is this going to open it up uh, to, 
to um, like Steve Kirsch. Uh, he's been putting out there, and I'll share this, but uh, Steve Kirsch, who I think that uh, you know, but he's been putting it out that you can, he says, frankly, you can now sue the mRNA COVID vaccine manufacturers for damages, because if this wasn't, if this wasn't disclosed, they're, they're at fault. Yeah, yeah, so you can see there, interestingly, at the end, you can see he just got off the phone with myself and... Robert Malone. Yes. So what happened is he was chatting with me about about some of the messaging that I was putting out, and I brought to his attention this legal case that I just shared with you, which makes this very important connection that 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 seems like this breaks the legal indemnity that 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 Pfizer held. Uh, and so, what's interesting is he wondered if he he was hoping I could confirm that that the FDA has the same rules in place. In other words, could we confirm their rules were broken? I told him. I'm not an expert when it comes to the, mm -hmm. the regulatory issues with the FDA, but Robert Malone has a lot of experience there and a lot of good friends who work for the FDA and, and know their regulatory practices. So I said, I gave him the information about the legal case. I, I, I said, you, you should talk to Robert Malone. He, he's the expert when it comes to the FDA there. Um, and what's interesting is he can, I can tell you, based on a subsequent conversation that I had, he consulted... <laughs> with a number of lawyers who said, based on that legal precedent, uh, by all rights, this should be considered an adulterated product that no longer is is um, uh, under legal indemnity. And yes. that therefore the regulators, and especially Health Canada, who has, who has on record that they disclosed that this would be wrong, that this would break their rules, that this would be considered an adulterated product. They knew that back in April and that it's been this length of time and they did nothing and it's even been several days now since this news has come forward and they've still done nothing absolutely they're open to a lawsuit absolutely and in my opinion they should be sued i'm not a legal expert so again i'm a scientist but so that, consider this yeah. just pure personal speculation but to me they should be sued and so should pfizer of course um and it is a fact because I hadn't actually seen this, so that, so that's great. I saw the date is just today, the 25th, where Robert Malone is is also. So he's so that's interesting because just so yeah. you know, I, I haven't talked to Dr. Robert Malone recently. So you can see there's there's a great scientist in the United States, completely independently coming to the exact same conclusion that we just have today. That's um, right. Is that interesting? He's, yeah, he's put forward uh, this, um, and this is by Mary Beth Pfeiffer. Uh, re reprinted from trial site news by request and uh, Robert Malone um, adulteration is simple in simple words is the debasement of an article or adulteration is broadly defined as a admixture or substitution of original or genuine article drug with inferior defective or otherwise useless or harmful substances I'm very curious that I have heard this before that that SV40 and you said this today too Nobody knows why it would be added. It, uh, from what we understand, is potentially a cancer-causing component, but nobody understands why it was put in there because any value that it might have was already covered off by a different component that was um, in in the uh, in the vaccine. So there would you, be no you know reason. Yeah, so that's very interesting, uh, Laurel, and thank you for for raising that. So. Yeah. I, I, I talked to, to Kevin McKernan about this um, and his insight on this, this was fascinating. And it's something that I hadn't thought of, but I totally agree with. And this comes back to the whole issue of the warp speed program. Mm. And that many of us said that you can't 
run a program like that with a vaccine and not have major issues come out of it because corners have to be cut. So this is very interesting. So Kevin McKernan has come up with a very plausible explanation, um, but it, it, it is still absolutely egregious that this would be left in there. And what it is is this, Laurel Lynn. At the research phase, like when you're doing what we call preclinical research or translational research, it's it's not unusual to use plasmids that might have more than one enhancer because what it does is one allows expression to happen in non-mammalian cells. The other, and you can use other genetic components that do allow it to be expressed in mammalian cells. Why? Because it gives you a much broader range of cells to use to manufacture the product for research purposes. So it might be that it was in there, that was their re the research version of their plasmid that allowed them to express some of these components in mammalian cells, right? Um, for research purposes, because that's okay when you're doing the early stages of the research. But as you've just heard, that is absolutely not okay to use here. So again, it's speculation. Uh, and we're not the ones who are responsible for providing an explanation as to why Pfizer um, has left this in there, which is absolutely wrong, no matter which way you slice it. But it seems like they took their research grade plasmid and advanced it through the pipeline. And like I said, I suspect at one point when this was when the ball was really rolling, lots of money was on the line and billions of dollars of money, as we know, was on the line. Somebody realized when they had to give that plasmid map the big whoopsie. The big whoopsie, right? Oh no, we left these things in there. We can't be having this stuff equipped to be expressed in human cells. Um, and then you marry that to the fact that they weren't able to get rid of the DNA nearly as efficiently as they thought they would be able to because they hadn't had enough experience working with this completely synthetic material, right? You have this disaster now that's unfolded. And Laura Lynn, I don't care who's taking a shot. I don't care what their opinions are. I don't care if they think the shots are, are the greatest thing since sliced bread. What everybody has to ask themselves who got a Pfizer shot is, are you okay with Big Pharma and Health Canada conducting their business like this? Do you want them to do this over and over again in the future? Are you happy to know that what you got was a completely adulterated product? That it is literally, literally an illegal product that you received? You know, is I can't see how anybody would be okay with that. That is no. not why we have Health Canada looking over the the health of the entire population of Canada. Well, everything about this has has been so uh, disturbingly smelly. It stinks, all of it. And I'm just going to ask everyone. We have a huge audience watching right now, Dr. Bridal. Please, everybody, share. Share this information. Share it to all your loved ones. Share it to your doctors. Share it to every single person you can think of. This is important. And uh, on this share, JT, uh, Dr. Ryan Cole, an Idaho pathologist, I'm sure you know him, who early in the rollout spoke out on observed upticks in cancers. I mean, this SV40 has been related to cancers. And he said an observed uptick in cancers was troubled by this injected genetic material. It can permanently camp out, he said. These little circles of DNA can stay within the nucleus every time that cell divides. It's a problem. He warned us. They're adulterated. They're contaminated. Um, and in the States, you know, he's bringing this before state's attorney general, 
um, you know, and, and trying to get uh, some justice there. But we also have Dr. William Mackis, and I'll point to this. Uh, Dr. William Mackis has been reported, uh, reported a great colleague and friend of yours, uh, on the turbo cancers in pregnancy. Um, you know, children um, uh, having had difficulties and many deaths in children and the uptick of turbo cancer. I personally have had so many people that had sudden cancers. One friend of mine, he had had a cancer that had gone dormant for many, many years, takes this, he's died. Uh, same with another friend that I just uh, spoke of his passing recently. And, you know, it was a cancer that had been dormant, came back. So are we potentially looking, if, if this turns out to be something that they should have done, people maybe can begin uh, suing Pfizer, suing Health Canada or whomever. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Laura Lynn. Yeah, the cancer site, it really concerns me. It's been a concern of mine right from the beginning. There are other, like I said, there are other mechanisms beyond these bacterial uh, DNA contaminants that could potentially um, put people at risk of, of developing cancers. Um, and then you throw this into the mix. It's yet a, another, it's a new mechanism, potential mechanism of action that could do that. So I absolutely agree with all of those great scientists that you just uh, mentioned. I've been contacted by people for a long time because I was known very early on as a scientist who was open to the idea that these shots might not be completely safe and effective. I've had many people, hundreds of people share with me their stories, Laura Lynn, of themselves or somebody close to them having either developed a cancer out of the blue that was very difficult to treat and seemed to progress very rapidly, or they had a recurring cancer and it could no longer be treated nearly as effectively as, as it was previously, or they had an existing cancer. It wasn't in full remission and all of a sudden it took off. Uh, it was no longer being controlled nearly as well and also resistant to treatment. But of course, all my, so as a scientist, I looked at all that and I said, one, you know, hundreds of independent members of the public are, will not, are not lying to me, right? I got to take this seriously. But all of my scientific colleagues, of course, would say anecdotal, anecdotal. A lot of anecdotal data, but nevertheless anecdotal. And I have to say, you know, okay, yes, as a scientist, yes, you know, I don't have the peer-reviewed publications to back that up. But what I can confirm, Laura Lynn, is there, there are more and more physicians speaking up. I've been seeing a lot of this actually come out of the UK as they're investigating it. And I'm starting to see data, not peer reviewed published data, but data where a lot of these physicians and scientists are putting it together. They're pulling it out of trustworthy databases. And it is frightening me because it is showing um, big upticks in, in cancers, the rate of cancers. And when you see that, and you see all these plausible mechanisms of actions accumulating with these shots, that's an issue. And, and like I said, Laura Lynn, I want to emphasize in that preprint article of Dr. David Speakers, when you, like I said, they correlated the occurrence of severe adverse events with the, uh, the highest level of DNA contamination, right? Um, that does suggest a cause and effect relationship. Right. That's what you look for. These adverse event databases are designed to generate hypotheses. So as a scientist, the hypothesis you have to generate from this is it looks like this can be dangerous. It looks like this can contribute to severe adverse events. And there's no question that this has to be investigated. And just to back you up on what you said, Laura Lynn, yes, get this as far and wide as you can. I haven't checked within the last day and a half, but I was shocked. <laughs> as I'm sure you and anybody who sees this data should be. Like I said, people can write me off if they want. 
they can write you off. They can write anybody they want on this off as being misinformation spreaders, but they have trusted Health Canada. Health Canada has pushed these shots so hard for the past couple of years. So are you gonna now start accusing them of being spreaders of misinformation? Because if they are, that means you can't trust them. And if you trust what they say, you're gonna see what they put out in this email and you're gonna see you can't trust them anyways, right? It's a lose-lose situation for Health Canada no matter which way you slice it now. I say to people, you don't have to trust anybody else. Look with your own eyes at that email. Those are direct quotations that, that we looked at. And when you see that it, Pfizer has admitted that the product is adulterated, Ask yourself, why has the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation failed? We're now talking quite a few days later, quite a few days. This was last week, that, that I think last Wednesday, Laura Lynn. So we're talking one week has elapsed. I have not seen how um, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation mentioned this at all. Hmm. In the past, could you imagine um, a state-funded uh, state funded media that's being funded out of our taxpayer dollars um, hearing that an organization like Health Canada, which is overseeing the health of our entire population, and, and you find definitive proof that they have admitted that this product that they have pushed into almost every Canadian is adulterated, and then you're going to ignore it? You don't want it. To me, Lord, I, I, like this is something where an organization like CBC has to be held to account, right? Because every day that goes on um, is another day where somebody can potentially be harmed, with an what is known to be an adulterated product. That is not acceptable. That's why, yes, please, everybody who's listening. I, I know in the past where somebody like me might say something and, and people would be like, um, I totally get it. I've seen all the evidence. You're showing us the hard data. You can explain everything in, in minute details. You clearly understand what you're talking about, but my friends aren't gonna believe it because of who you are, because you've been labeled as a misinformation spreader and that's all they need to hear. This is very different. This is Health Canada. Just take those quotes from the email from Health Canada and show it to them and ask if they're okay with an adulterated product having been put into their body. And are they okay with that being ignored by the CBC? Every, to me, uh, Laura Lynn, just out of pure fairness, fairness, right? Every single person in the world, single person in the world see this that a prominent well-respected health regulatory agency has confirmed for the world that these products are adulterated and everybody who took them has to has the right to know this so why isn't cbc saying this and i just say kudos to you laura lynn for getting this out to many more people than i could it's absolutely fabulous. I don't know if I reach more people than you. I think you're pretty popular. I don't go anywhere without mentioning Dr. Byron Bridal and basically the whole room starts clapping. So uh, we love you. We appreciate it. Everybody share, share, share. Send this to CBC. Everybody who's got CBC on your, you know, because you've been trying to, you know, inform them for, for months, please send this video to them. This has got to go viral. We have got to stop uh, being harmed in our nation, and and this by the people who are supposed to be our protectors. Dr. Byron Bridal, I am so excited. We will see you this Saturday. 
Um, I cannot wait for your presentation. And I know that uh, a lot of people are coming to see you. We need to have our friends, those that might be considering getting another shot, those who think, oh, I don't know if you're telling the truth. You've got to see what's happening here. And the sheer excess deaths, the uptick in the uh, turbo cancers, we all know it personally because of our friends, but we also know it because the statistics are there. Dr. William Mackis will be there on Saturday to talk about all of this. And so we bless you, uh, Dr. Byron Bridal. Thank you very, very much for uh, for this uh, hard work. Also, uh, Dr. Speaker, your good friend, I don't know if he's available and he'd like to come and present, we've got to make room for him if he can come. I think I think I asked Dominique, like this is pretty big, like it's breaking, let's have the key people. So we'll see if we can get him as well. I just love him. Um, thank you, Dr. Yeah, I'll, 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 uh, yeah I'll probably um, represent his dad again on his behalf. He Because of this excellent work, actually, he's it's been noted that, uh, as I've always said, like to say, when I'm working with uh, people like this on my research team, I like to say he has magical hands. Uh, Dr. Or Kevin McKernan has, has used a bit of a different term. He said he has diamond hands. It was the okay. same thing. Um, certain people have a re, are, are really technically adept at doing these very complicated scientific procedures. And so uh, he, he's been identified now as somebody who's so good at this kind of work. He's actually been um, recruited for a couple of weeks to uh, do some contract work in the United Excellent. States, some similar sequencing work. So he can't be there. Um, but I will represent his dad as best I can on his behalf. Excellent, excellent. Well, we're just so glad that you're going to be there. Uh, one final thing, uh, uh, share this, uh, you know, testicular cancer, um, all of these things, Dr. William Mackis and uh, Dr. Ryan Cole in the States, everybody is saying that there's been this uptick. Could it be, you know, we're just saying, could it be that uh, it's all related and we just need accountability. You can't mess with people's lives. Thank you, Dr. Byron Bridal. We will see you on Saturday and God bless you. Thank you for your great work. Thank you, Laura Lane. It was my pleasure. Take care. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Okay. I'll let you all go because we have gone long and I don't want any extra stuff to, you know, we've got some other videos we wanted to show. We're not going to. Everybody, please just share this out far and wide as you can go. We'll put up that uh, poster again. We're going to be um, all of this. This is epic. This is epic. It is going to be laid out in detail at our era of champions. Um, um, what do we call this? I was going to say concert. It's our event in in Ontario. I'm very excited about this. And Dr. Byron Bridal has traveled, uh, you know, in a few of the presentations that I've done across Canada. He is always phenomenal. Let's not forget how he took Dr. Bonnie Henry in British Columbia to task on her uh, failure, failures to uh, be, to have any integrity in this field. We'll also have um, Steve Merrill will be there to talk about money. It's not just going to be all about your your health. It's going to be about your money too. So Steve Merrill will be there to talk about gold and silver and the economy. So we look forward to having that. Thank you very much, everyone. God bless you. And I'm just going to close very, very quickly uh, by saying my website is laurelin.tv. If you want tickets to the event, just go to my website. Uh, get up there to... Um, to the event section and there is a ticket for every budget. So if you can pay a little bit more, thank you. Uh, if you can't, would you just get there? 
I don't care how you get there, just get there if you can. Wasn't there a song like that uh, back in the day? Also, if you could help to subsidize uh, the work that we do, JT and I get up every day. We do not have anyone behind us. We don't have a big organization behind us. We just know that, that we're in an information war and we have the ability the God-given ability to be able to bring you good information. So this is what we do. If you're able to support us and to help us, there's a donation button. We we would love it. Um, there's uh, an email, laurelinlive at protonmail.com. If you can send an e-transfer or an email, appreciate it so much. Like you're, you are our heart. You are why we get up and do this. This is why we work so hard. Uh, you know, we, we head to the studio and we get this and pump this information out. And we knew we had to have Dr. Uh, Byron Bridal because of the, this is, this is just unbelievable. And you can't mess with people's lives. That's what I think is that people have been hurt. So, uh, God bless everyone. And, um, I'm going to close just by reading Psalms and I'm not going to be long. I love to read from the word of God. I want to do Psalms 91 one more time. Uh, it's one of my favorite uh, things that have uh, uh, chapters that we have done because here's what it says. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers. Under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. God bless everyone. Love you. See you next time. You know, it's not easy to deliver. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.laurelin.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.